74, Sadhana Part 2, or Living in the Material World. Wikipedia defines sadhana as spiritual exertion towards an intended goal. And the intended goal spoken of or referenced in terms of sadhana is yoga or union with something greater than the small self, a subsuming of our identification as this smaller self to something more expansive. Some teachers and systems tell us that to live a quote-unquote spiritual life, we have to give up the things of the world. They say these things are not important, or that they are mere distractions, that there's only one thing worth having, one thing worth knowing, the truth of your higher oneness with God. But we may ask, what about rent? What about my career, my love life, my bank account, the new lens for my camera? What about all these things of the relative world? Am I supposed to pretend these things don't matter to me? There's actually only a very small percentage of people in the world who are suited to life in a hermitage, who are suited to denying the desires of a human life. We're actually meant to have those desires and to use those desires in our living. And indeed, in our yoga, in our work toward this goal of connection, this goal of unification, unity with. Vedic meditation is known as the householder's technique. It's not for those who wish to leave society and go off to the caves in the jungle above Rishikesh and spend the next two months or ten years or twenty years in meditation. Our practice is for those of us who have families, jobs, careers, who are of the world and wish to remain so, and want to know the truth of spirit as well. There is actually a profound aspect of spiritual growth that we get by meditating and then stepping out into the world. There's a stabilizing effect of this ever-expanding consciousness that we are, that we are able to experience to some degree each time we meditate. We drop into meditation and our experience of consciousness, our experience of ourselves as consciousness, expands just a little bit. We fill up with adaptation energy, which is a made-up term that means the opposite of stress. And then we walk out into the world and we use that adaptation energy up. We offer it to the world 
and adapt to what is, rather than arguing with the world to become what we think it should be. And the using up of that adaptation energy stabilizes this slightly more expanded experience of what we are. And then we meditate again and repeat. And we do this by bringing more consciousness to our moment-to-moment everyday experience of life. We practice sadhana, offering all that we do to the divine, or to universal spirit, to consciousness, to the flow of nature, to the collective. It doesn't really matter what we call it. This is the yoga of works, karma yoga seeking unity or yoga through action done, karma. It's described by the great Vedic sage Sri Aurobindo in Letters on Yoga this way. The ordinary life consists of work for personal aim and satisfaction of desire. The Bhagavad Gita's yoga, or the yoga of Vedanta, consists of the offering of one's work as a sacrifice to the divine, the conquest of desire, egoless and desireless action, love for the divine, the sense of unity with all creatures, oneness with the divine. This can seem like a tall order. Some of us work in snake pits of ego that may feel like battlegrounds. Some of us do work that requires all our attention, perhaps intensely so. And how are we to dedicate this work to the divine? If you can't yet remember the divine all the time you are working, it does not greatly matter. To remember and dedicate at the beginning and give thanks at the end ought to be enough for the present. Now, I know I've used the term the divine many times here in this this podcast. So if that idea is not appealing, then return to what he said earlier, which was the uh, sense of unity with all creatures. That is certainly enough to uh, help raise my awareness out of the morass that the relative world can become. And then there's this to remember. If I am dedicating my work to something greater than my individuality, that something, that flow of life, is waiting to respond in kind to flow through me as this giving. Again, as as Sri Aurobindo so eloquently states, this is a great secret of sadhana, to know how to get things done by the power behind or above instead of doing all by the mind's effort. Strength is all right for the strong, but aspiration and the grace answering to it are not altogether myths. They are great realities of the spiritual life. One other point to bring up here is that it is through our work in meditation 
that we're able to settle down to that place within where we actually begin to know ourselves as fulfillment itself. When I can know myself as fulfillment itself, I stop needing things in the world to fulfill me. I stop needing you to fulfill me. And from that place of no longer needing fulfillment from the world, I am then able to offer the fulfillment that I am to the world. This is the truth of sadhana, offering all that I am to the world because it's the only thing there is to do. Today I will dedicate all the work I do as a service to something greater than myself, to consciousness, to the world, to my fellows, to the divine, to my family, my co-workers, to my idea of what's right, to anything that I can imagine in this moment that is greater than my small self and my needs. And I will remember at the end of the work simply to say thank you. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.